Welcome back to Rethinking Politics. Here for episode 98, you've got your favorite podcast host, Brad, and Dan's here as well. And we're happy to be bringing some uh, some content to you guys today, which, as we've already established, is Dan's new favorite word. <laughs> I, I hate that word. Before, I... before we get into it, though, Dan, I thought I'd take a moment to say, you know, this is episode 98, so we're getting real close to that 100 mark. And we need a way to celebrate. And I don't know what we should do to celebrate. I don't know if we should do some kind of giveaway or... Or I don't, I don't know. We should make an episode without us saying anything stupid. Um, but whatever it is, we got to do something. So if you guys have any ideas, go ahead and email us or or message us on Facebook or something and say, hey, here's here's what you should do to celebrate 100 episodes. Because I at least am open to input. I let me give one suggestion that that people should throw out there and and back me up on. I think Brad should do an interpretive dance. And if you want to see Brad do an interpretive dance, just uh, comment or email or something like that and let so, us know. So there is bad news. Unfortunately, after a run of 98 episodes, we are ending the podcast. <laughs> it's, it's been a good run. Just, we may just like do, that. We may do one more episode, but that, that'll be it. You yeah. wanted good ideas, and I had one, and you're just going to call gonna, it. I you're see. going to shut it down. <laughs> I see how this works. <laughs> uh, seriously, content. Though. I'm still, I'm still bothered still by that. Really... We're not bringing you content. We're bringing you useful information, a, a view from which to see the world and interpret the complexity of politics and economics, and and thoughtful insights and occasional jokes and a lot of Brad. Um, I'll is, let you decide whether that's good or bad. Before before we get too sidetracked and we ramble on for the first twenty minutes, we want to actually say what we're going to talk about. Yeah, we'll do that later. Just exactly, exactly. Um, we are going to be talking about the Inflation Reduction Act, aka the Schumer Mansion Bill, which it's more widely known as. Apparently, it's their bill. Um, President Biden had nothing to do with it. Um, I don't even know what he's what he's doing there. You know, over <laughs> over in DC, but uh, but Schumer as, and Mansion are, are doing good work. As we joke to to ourselves, this is is Mansion president. This is <laughs> he seems to have all the power. And we'll get into why that is a little bit later in terms of in terms of why it's their bill and not necessarily Biden's. Exactly. But before we do that, let's talk about what's actually in the bill. So so this bill. Has been has been brewing for a little bit, um, but overnight, um, they they came to an agreement and they now have a working bill that is is cleared to pass the House, and so it just needs to clear the Senate. And clearing the Senate is funnily enough less about votes because everyone pretty much knows how everyone's going to vote. It's going to be a pretty party line vote, so it's less about votes and more about process. Because there's different ways for the bill to get passed, and and if it can be a straight party vote, they'll win that vote. But if the Republicans can block it in many of the many other ways, legislation can be blocked, then then they can't get it through. Yes, um, we've mentioned this in the past, but the Senate has has rules, particularly the Senate, as every legislative body in general does. Not all of the rules are prescribed by the Constitution, so as a legislative body they create a lot of the rules that govern them. 
themselves. And this is how almost, like I said, almost every legislative body works this way. Um, and one of them is that unless you have 60 people, you can't end discussion. <laughs> yeah, because people may be asking, well, if you have the majority, why why can't you pass legislation? It's like, yes, you yeah. can. It's a matter of timing. You can pass it, but it may take you a few years because yeah. we won't stop talking about it. Yes, it's a uh, – the result is that practically speaking, you can stall out almost indefinitely and maybe even indefinitely. I don't know if they're – like you said, it, it as far as I know – you can stall out indefinitely, but there maybe there's a limit. Maybe eventually there, there you'll get are, an opportunity. There are ways and exceptions to get around that. And I am not a congressional expert. You're welcome. And so I, I don't have <laughs> – Thank you. I, 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 really, it's it's it was just me being glad I'm not a congressional expert because it's such a mess. Um <laughs> But so 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 right now they're gunning for using one of those exceptions so that they can just do a majority vote and get it passed. And if they can do that, if they can if they can get past those legislative rigmarole, then you know this this thing will get passed. So so that is definitely a real possibility. It may not happen, but it's already gone farther than uh, Build Back Better. You know, from what is it a year ago? That Biden was was trying to get through, or maybe mm-hmm. six or seven months ago. Mm-hmm. You know, what was it? The fall, Christmas last year, sometime around then. It feels like a long time ago, but I guess I, yeah, I don't know exactly. Um, um, while we're talking about legislative rigmarole, I want to talk about why why it's called the Mansion Schumer Bill and why these people matter so much. You know, you're like, why do we keep talking about individual? you know, congressmen and why were they able to hold up the legislation? I mean, you remember a while ago when we were talking about Build Back Better and we are talking about Manchin and Cinema, you know, two Democrats who who caused a lot of ruckus and made Build Back Better basically die before it could get its legs underneath it. And and the reason, you know, they're able to do this, you you pointed out, Dan, that Manchin is actually the head, the chair of a committee that this bill has to go through. In other words, before this can even get to the floor of the House, it has to go through this committee. And committees are fascinating because there are about a million ways you can kill a bill in committee. In other words, it doesn't matter if 80% of Congress wants a bill passed if the committee doesn't want that bill to make it to Congress, there are many things they can do to stall or stop it. And so they had to get Manchin on board in order in order to, to, to have this bill make it anywhere. Yes, these committees are so influential. Think of them, you can think of them as a as a legislature before the legislature. So you have this little body. Uh, made up of, I guess I don't know how many they are in this. With in the Senate, it's probably no more than ten. I would guess. I don't know. I don't know. That, that's actually. So I'm thinking about it. So various states have various numbers of congressmen and senators, and uh, and it's up to the states how they do it. And I've seen different states do it differently. And uh, and I don't know exactly on the how big these committees are. I would guess in the House the committees are huge because there's a ton of members of the House. Um, but in the Senate, they can still be relatively small. We've got a hundred senators, um, mm. and they will deliberate over these bills 
prior to the bill, as Brad was saying, going to the floor of the Senate. And the floor of the Senate, in case you don't recognize that term, that's where the whole group considers it. That's the main group that we think of when we think of the Senate. That's everybody, and everybody gets a vote, and everybody's equal. That's not the case in the uh, in the committee. In the committee, the committee chairman has a massive amount of power over what is even discussed. Kind of in the, I, I suppose, in the same way as the 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 uh, Senate president does, or the Senate uh, majority leader, I guess. The Senate president is the vice president, um, and in practice, he does he or she does almost nothing. Yeah, and and. Congress is not a is not a dictatorship. There are many people who have power. You've got, like you said, the mm-hmm. leadership. You've got these committees. You've got other committees that control those committees. You know, like a you know rules committees and things like that. And so, so you have to work with all of these people in order to get things passed. And so, in this case, the people who were you know the key instruments is is Mansion, you know, over in the House, the committee. And then, and then Schumer over on on the Senate side. You know, the Senate. I think the believe he's body, the Senate yeah. Minority Leader. He's a Senate uh, they, Democratic Minority Leader, which is a slim minority. I don't know what the numbers you mean, are. Dan. You mean majority in the Senate? Is it majority? What's They're the split call- in the Senate right now, Dan? This, so the split in the Senate right now is fifty fifty, but. Because the vice, I, I assume this is why, I don't know why exactly, but I assume because the vice president is a Democrat and the vice president gets a vote, if, this, if, the, if a vote is 50-50 and it's even, then the vice president gets to vote as the president of the Senate to decide the tiebreaker. So really what you're saying is that he shouldn't be called the Senate majority leader. We should have had a Senate half-already leader for the Democrats and a Senate half-already leader for the Republicans. <laughs> half-already leaders? Uh-huh. <laughs> because, because there is no majority, technically. Because he doesn't actually have a majority or a minority. He has a half-already. Um, so I'm going to propose <laughs> that that change is made. But in the meantime, yes, technically, he is the majority leader. And in, in, in effect, with the in 51 effect. votes, it is the majority party, but... Just barely. Yeah, because they will win a 50-50 tie. But it also um, helps under helps you understand that in this case, it's not just Schumer who has that power. It's every single Democratic senator because every single Democratic senator has to be on board with this legislation or it won't make it yeah, to the Senate. Any one of them unless can you it. can go across the aisle, mm-hmm. which is going to be a hard push right now because Republicans are really enjoying – Biden floundering. And so the more they can keep him doing it, even if you as a Republican liked the bill, you'd be hard pressed by the rest of your party to vote against it just to yeah, keep him floundering. Yeah, and you will probably won't get elected next time. The mm-hmm. pressure right now to be vote as one body is massive. Yeah, exactly. Because that is where their power is, you know, stay as that block. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so it's uh, it's definitely interesting because this is supposed to be President Biden's, you know, reduced big moment this is not build back better this is not a three trillion dollar bill like he wanted but it's something like 700 billion in total it's still a big bill it's still an accomplishment it's something that i didn't see coming um but in many ways the the thunder is being stolen by by mansion and and schumer you know this is this is their bill and in the eyes of many not President Biden's. Even though it does include some of the things in Build Back Better, that's obviously the inspiration for it. And and to some degree, this is a 
the product of Build Back Better being negotiated down to a few specific topics like climate and and some healthcare things. No, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Forward. Is it yeah. is it is yeah. it is President Biden's plan. You know what I mean? This is mm-hmm. what he was trying to do. He's taking credit for this, but no one's really noticing. Anyways. <laughs> no one wants – he can't buy a break to save his life, as, as it feels like from anybody. <laughs> Poor guy. But, I mean, plus he has cancer now, so it's things are looking real bad. <laughs> according to him. According to the White House, he doesn't, but who knows? <laughs> uh, so funny to me. Just so a little sad. teasing, Biden. Don't worry about it. So sad. Okay. So let's talk about the the pieces of this bill. So this bill is primarily, I'd say, a, a three-pronged bill. You got uh, climate reforms, climate change agenda. You've got – that's the first one. You've got some uh, health care reform specifically around Medicare. And then you've got a plan to raise taxes on the evil corporations. So let's let's go through those three points one at a time. How's that sound, Dan? Let's do. And just a friendly reminder, because maybe you can figure it out. We couldn't. This is called the Inflation Reduction Act. (laughs) And if you can figure out why, let us know. (laughs) The names of these bills are so misleading. Um, They can name it whatever they want. The name has no impact on the law, no impact on anything. In fact, it doesn't even go into the law, right? The, The actual text that's changed in the law is unrelated to the name of the Act and bill. So you can call it whatever you want. This has nothing to do with inflation and will not reduce inflation. Yeah, yeah. Calling it a uh, is insane. There's um I've got a Yahoo Finance uh article talking about this. Um it may be from somewhere else because I said I've seen the same yeah, it's Washington Post, but you can't get into Washington Post. So so they've got the same article for free in case you don't like spending money on things that you can get for free. <laughs> we we um, found that you can do this with a variety of things lately. <laughs> I found yeah, another which, one on the why, side. Why put it behind a paywall and then give it to your to your competitors who will then put it out for free? I don't know. I don't I'm understand. I'm assuming they're paying them for it, but it's but clearly it can't be too much since they're not charging for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm happy if Yahoo wants to pay for my membership to various journals. Yeah, That's basically. Fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. And in exchange, we'll acknowledge that Yahoo still exists. That's all they want. <laughs> that is. I saw one from MSN. It's like, what? <laughs> They're like, hey, we're still around. Anyways, <laughs> so I've got this quote from Jason Furman, who we are all familiar with him. He was a senior economist in the Obama administration. And here's his quote about the legislation. So this is an article that's been read by a lot of people, you know, anyone who reads Washington Post or Yahoo. Um If it sticks, this will be a huge policy win for the White House and the country, addressing both the president's number one short-run issue of inflation and the number one long-run issue, climate change. That is an amazing and absolutely stupid quote. First of all, it's not going to do either of those things, but at least one of those things is trying to address climate change. There's, There's nothing in here to address inflation. And and they're, they'll make some weak arguments about how, oh, well, well, doing these things, no, no. I think I heard something about, no, I can't even, I can't even, I can't even talk about it. It's, it's so stupid. There's, there's nothing here that's going to address inflation. They, even, even yeah. the Fed putting on the brakes hard hasn't 
fixed inflation yet. So, uh, and fixed inflation yet implies that they will fix inflation, which they won't. Anyways. No, inflation will, yeah, it'll sort itself out, but it's not the fact. Yeah, and inflation will slowly, yeah, will slowly remedy itself unless the government does something egregious again, but who knows? Yeah, as people adjust to the, the new supply and demand for money. Yeah. So let's talk about that first big claim, which is climate change. So there, this bill is supposed to reduce uh, carbon emissions by 40% by 2030, which is, you know, seven and a half years away. So that's incredibly ambitious. And you're like, well, how are they going to do that? And they're like, they're going to do it the way we always have. Rebates for electric vehicles. And if that doesn't fix it, we're also going to give rebates for solar panels. And yeah. if that doesn't fix it, we're going to have new credits to incentivize solar, wind, and hydroelectric power. And that's it. That's, that is basically it. Um, they're going to be putting $260 billion in the clean energy tax credits. Those are the ones that are going to be incentivizing renewable energy. So solar, wind. I mean, who are we kidding? It's solar and wind. Hydroelectric is amazing. And it's, it's, it's good. And it's not what people are going to be building. Because typically where hydroelectric can be done, it's being done for the most part. And right. It's, it's just wind and solar is where anywhere. people are going to be mm -hmm. investing their money. Um, wind and solar, we've talked about these before. I don't hate wind and solar. If I had the money for it, I wouldn't mind having some self-sufficiency and having some solar panels or having, you know, wind yeah. power in my backyard as an alternative, you know? Uh-huh. But when you talk about a grid, it becomes a different problem. We all remember when uh, the Texas grid had serious issues that was blamed on their independence and it is partially because of their independence, but part of it was because they had had serious incentives for renewable energy. And as a result, you had these huge wind, you know, power generation that is fickle. And you had a, a, a large power surge. You know, it was cold. People, people were trying to stay warm. And wind was not producing significant amounts of energy and the fossil fuel plants that had been reduced because you had this huge increase in something else couldn't keep up. Yeah. And and that that is the boogeyman of renewable energy is is that future is we don't have any kind of significant battery system for a grid. You know, you yes. want to get a Tesla battery bank for your house, it's going to be thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. In order yeah. to get a Tesla battery bank for the grid, which is so much more, would be a very large, very large number. And it would be a battery that wouldn't last forever. You know what I mean? You couldn't just spend that money once and be done. You'd have to spend that money periodically to replace that. And no one's willing to do that because solar and wind are already expensive. You add a huge new cost on top of that. And even with all these credits, it's not even close to... to to reasonable and the crazy thing about these credits is you is they don't factor these things in they just say hey we're going to make it cheaper for you to invest in these things i mean the texas grid was amazing because how it was set up was if someone wants energy we're going to buy energy and the first people we will buy it from is wind every time 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We will buy from mm-hmm. Wynn, and then if Wynn's not selling anymore, then we'll buy from everyone else. Which means why wouldn't you build a wind turbine? Because it could be dead of night, and you could have 20% power needs for the state. And as long as you're, as long as you're producing wind... It'll be bought. You know, everyone else may suffer, but you will always be in business. Is that what wind tire turbines do? They produce wind. <laughs> is that what I said? <laughs> yeah, I'm just teasing you. I know. I, I understood what you meant. Yeah, as long as the well, wind so, is so what producing you do power, is, is you have your your wind turbines <laughs> that produce power, but they need wind to do it. So what you do is you build you other wind more. turbines farther down that produce wind to then power those turbines. You've got a giant fan. <laughs> exactly. I'm a thinker. That's blowing into your wind turbines. Wait a second. <laughs> and and these are not criticisms of of the energy alternatives as an energy alternative. They're criticisms of how they're being applied in the grid, and it's not being applied well. And the problem with these tax credits is tax credits don't look at the big picture. They're just skewing incentives. Yes, they incentivize something that may or may not be the wise call. They make mm-hmm. it seem wiser than it should be by making it more profitable than it should be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if you exactly. had left it to itself to respond to the reality on the ground, um, the numbers would be very different. And one of the interesting points about this is if you, if you want perfectly reliable systems, you have to be prepared to supply 100% of the needs with non-renewable, with, with non-renewable energy. And the reason is very simple because sometimes the sun doesn't shine and the wind doesn't blow. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. during those times, if you need you know, X amount, it has to all be supplied through other means, which means to add wind and solar, you have to duplicate and make it perfectly reliable. You have to have redundant systems. You have to duplicate. You have to create you have more to have one power, power system to create reliable power and one system to create renewable power. Yes. And if you think that that's ever going to be less pollute, I mean, you, you end up needing for if you're going to make it reliable, you end up needing exactly the same amount of fossil fuel things. Well, <laughs> well, well at least factories, fossil but you're fuel not consuming plants. it. Yes, yeah, you're exactly. not consuming you as much. You may be consuming can, less fossil fuels or you should it, be consuming less fossil fuels. Yes, but, but overall, you've made the entire system simply way more expensive. Yeah, and then and then you have to factor in the environmental costs of all the environmental, you know, the renewable energy production. I mean, solar yes. energy is not is not net zero. You know what I mean? There are there are costs. Yes, well, and they may describe it as net zero, but that's always because they're looking at it after the fact. You know, for the life of the solar, it, it pays mm-hmm. for itself <laughs> theoretically. But not yeah, they've defined out the, the the all the costs. Yeah, these numbers aren't as yeah. as simple as they make it out to be. It's not as clear cut as it is, because if it were, I mean, if it were, I'd I'd be in favor of it. You know what I mean? If yes. we had a solution where we could just slap this on and all our problems would be solved, and it would make it would make us more environmentally friendly, let's do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even and for two hundred sixty billion, that's not. A terrible price to pay you know what i mean but that's not what's happening here yeah yeah so green energy is by default more expensive but then you you're also going to have to pay taxes to set up the non-renewable energy system and the result is that if you want to use green energy as often as possible and that's what we're incentivizing you're going to have to pay a lot more for energy Mm -hmm. 
And it's, I mean, that's pretty straightforward. I think most people probably know that, but we're not talking just a little bit more. We're talking quite a bit more. We're, we're not talking and, like 5% more. We're and of course, like, this begs the question, if you actually want renewable energy, that's not a duplication. There's a reasonable solution, which is a nuclear power plant nuclear. Mm -hmm. that produces a set amount 24-7. Yes. You know what yes, I mean? So you, can you have can't the consistency. do 100% replacement, but you could do some replacement where- it is saying, hey, night and day, we will always produce this power for you. Yeah, yeah. Which is so much better than wind and solar. Yeah, I really think that we picked up our energy, our views of energy, like the, the, a lot of the popular opinions about the way energy works are stuck in the same ideas that came up in the 70s and 80s which and that we nuts. haven't moved past it. We still have no sense of of what we know now and what we've learned since yeah, then about there, nuclear there and about are, there are nuclear reactor systems dan and and if you want to hear more about this talk to my wife because she raves about it which is these feeder we'll put systems. her phone number in the notes We're, yes it's gonna have her phone number her, <laughs> her email name, her name just, <laughs> just text exactly. her if you want to chat just text her here's her here's her facebook you know <laughs> just just go nuts guys but anyways <laughs> talking about these feeder systems where they can actually use the same nuclear materials and recycle them over and over and over again, theoretically forever, you know, so that there are nuclear power plants that cost more to set up in the beginning that are renewable energy by the strictest definitions. That's trippy. That's trippy. It is trippy. It is and trippy. I haven't because heard about Because it's that. changed because the technology has yeah. changed. Yeah, and it, it should have changed faster. I mean, we 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 haven't experimented with it nearly as much as we have we should have because we were scared, and we were rightfully scared to some degree. I'm not saying all of our fear is unwarranted. It certainly was, especially early no, on. I was about <laughs> but, to say, can we just say that 90% of our fears were unwarranted? Yes, yes, yes. We we really panicked with things like Chernobyl. We really, really freaked out. Um, but at this point, all of the fear is unwarranted. Um, or at least 99% at this point is unwarranted. Yeah, so there's there's so many things we could talk about with climate. Um, I was really worried when I read, you mentioned it at the very beginning, when they said they were going to decrease it 30 to 40% of all CO2 emissions, I was scared. I thought they were going to create some kind of regulatory body of restrictions. that was just mm -hmm. going to start dropping the hammer on people polluting. But what they're doing is they're incentivizing other options, and they hope that that will get them there. It's it's not, but that's that's a good thing because to get there would be disastrous. <laughs> it would be far more expensive <laughs> to get there than it would be to clean up and deal with the problems, the predicted problems of global warming and the things coming down the road. Um, not to yeah. and that's assuming we don't have technology that changes us. And we're not able to switch to nuclear, and we're not able to do to make really any progress beyond where we are now. Yeah, let me just let me just say two things on that. First, um, there's a fantastic episode where Chris Williamson interviews Alex Epstein. Epstein. It's it's the say you know that's that's this Stein is Weinstein thing. Weinstein yeah. thing because <laughs> people pronounce them differently depending on where their name came from. Blah blah blah. Alex Epp, um, as he's known. Not to be confused with Jeffrey. Yes. <laughs> so he he has a book about climate change, and he talks about it in this episode, and it's absolutely fantastic. 
his his talking about climate change um, and some of his ideas about the framework of how we're looking at it. I would definitely recommend it. Um, you know, go look it up. Alex Epstein, Chris Williamson, Williamson. The episode's called "Does the World Need More Fossil Fuels, Not Less?" It's really interesting. Has some really fresh ideas, worth listening to because we don't have the time to go into a lot of climate change stuff. We want to talk about the other stuff. We don't want to go on forever. So, so I'm just going to say that. The other thing I want to say is that Mansion, who you know, is is my new favorite Democrat. Um, in order for them to pass this legislation, he had some conditions. One of those conditions was that the Democratic leadership pledged to mandate new oil and gas le- leasing in the Gulf of Mexico and off the coast of Alaska. In other words, in exchange for all of this uh, environmental stuff, they're going to do the absolute worst thing for the environment, as they put it, which is expand oil production, which is something that I think everyone can get on board with. And as Alex Epstein made the argument in his episode, you can replace fossil fuels in some instances, but there are huge segments that just there is no replacement right now. Like we've just finally got electric cars working to somewhat replace cars, but there's shipping, there's air travel, there's huge um, factory production that just burns straight fossil fuels that are not set up to handle electricity. So even if you could produce as much electricity as you needed, even if we had all these nuclear reactors, we couldn't replace all these fossil fuels because there are whole industries that simply can't take electricity. You yeah. cannot get a shipping container to cross the United to cross from the United States to China on electricity. It just it just can't be done. If you had a an electric shipping container, it would have you know a twentieth the number of containers on it. You know what I mean? Because yes. of the battery problem. Because of the battery problem. Yes. Yes, which hopefully gets solved eventually, but but we can't act like it's been solved already, which sometimes yeah, exactly. seems to be so, like how and, people and think. And so unless it's been solved, we need to keep oil production, and I, for one, would rather have that oil production not be controlled by Saudi Arabia. Right. And so the, and there you go. There are three, you know, half the world population, three billion people-ish, three and a half billion people-ish, who desperately need cheaper energy. And so- while we're over here in the U.S. trying desperately to make our energy more expensive by making redundant systems and move to things <laughs> that are less efficient, that literally is the difference between them being able to you know, acquire and run machinery and begin to grow and begin to get develop the capital that allows for increased production, that allows for prosperity, that allows for longer lives and more, more of the, the – uh, just better lives in general, right? And a longer life expectancy, but more opportunity for education, et cetera. The process, yeah, the, all the things that come with prosperity. Over here, spoiling the episode that I just mentioned, because that is one of the things he talks about, is, <laughs> is that is that stable and consistent power is why we are where we are today. That it's, it's such fundamental a key to prosperity. Element, yeah. Yeah. Of the prosperity we enjoy. And it's one of the reasons that people don't prosper in so many areas of the world. And it's true. I mean, you go and you you experience even a country like Mexico, which is not a third world country, which is not nearly as destitute as many other countries. You know what I mean? Mexico is actually not doing that bad. And 
and you know, I mean, I've got I've got a friend who, yeah, I think he I think he just got to Mexico yesterday or today, and they're they're visiting family down there, and he talks about how the water that runs through the pipe. So they've got piping. You know what I mean? It's not a federal yes, country. Yeah. They have infrastructure. The water's turned on for one hour a day. One hour a day, and they have the they have a big basin that they fill up. The pipes always they open, can. so that when the water comes, it fills up, so they can use it throughout the day to do dishes and all the things they need. And then, if you want to drink water, you go buy bottled water because the water coming through the pipes is not clean enough. Uh-huh. And that's just one example of of things that we take for granted: <laughs> this infrastructure and this power infrastructure that we take for granted. That even even a a not even a somewhat thriving country like Mexico. Yes, they're actually quite prosperous comparatively. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Struggles with, struggles yes. immensely with. But there are a whole slew of other countries where the Mexican system would seem like a paradise. Yes. Where they're like, yes. you have pipes where you're getting water, you have electricity 90% of the time. Amazing. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's true. It's true. I don't, yeah, people are so quick to, to, try and uh, make marginal improvements by increasing the cost of things. And, and they want to impose that across the world, not realizing that just the sheer amount of damage that does. For someone like us, a minor increase in cost is, is, has a minimal effect. It has an effect. Uh, all, po- poverty is accompanied by an increase in disease, and lower life expectancy, all the things we mentioned go down. Um, and so it's not nothing. It's far from nothing. Yeah, but to, it's, to put it... Sorry, I continue. I keep cutting you off. You're fine. You're fine. Uh, but but the difference between like going from a dollar a day in a poor country, right, or like fifty cents a day is is your equivalent income, to having just a tiny fraction of what we have. Like you give them one dollar a day from us, and you've tripled their uh, their total income, right? That's that's an insane improvement. These. By imposing standards that have a minimal impact on us and trying to get the whole world to go along with them, we're absolutely devastating or at least preventing the growth of a lot of other places. It's a, it's a goal that only the most prosperous countries could even consider would ever be possibly worth it. And part of that is just we catastrophize what's going to happen to the climate in the world and man's impact on it. We think so it, we must do it. So in conclusion for this climate section – yeah, obviously we're not not thrilled about it, but it could definitely be much worse. And mm-hmm. and instead, what we're left with is is malincentive, which is which is pretty normal, especially for the last few years. <laughs> We've had a lot of the government dumping money in terrible places, and it's screwing with the economy and making our lives worse. So a little bit more of that, you know, I'm not going to get too upset about it. I mean, that's 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 pretty status yeah. quo. They're saying this is the um, biggest bill for climate change in. How long was it? Is it? Was it ever? In a long time, at least. And, that and this that is a huge accomplishment. <laughs> yes, yes, if this is that all it is. That makes me happy that, it, that this is all it is. You know, yeah. I'm really glad this isn't Build Back Better. Yes, yes, it could be much so, worse. So if you got people who are just freaking out about this bill, you know, just take a deep breath. It's it's not going to be the end of the world. Yes. It's and if you're really excited. a little worse. Yes, if you're going to really, if you're on the other end and you're really excited about this bill and you think it's going to save the world. It's not, and it's not we'll, going to have the climate change go- no. success you think it's going. No, to have. it's certainly not. It may not, not even gonna. have the carbon su- emission success. It I don't think it's so. Going to have. I don't think it will. Yeah, we'll see. But let alone the fact that, that carbon emission reduction wouldn't fix things like people say it would. Yes. 
Anyways, anyways, I don't want to get I don't want to get sucked into this. We need to talk about some more things. You, you can tell we've been thinking about climate change a lot lately. I have a lot to say on it, but yeah, moving on. Clearly, we'll need to talk about climate change in depth. Make a note, Dan. It's going on our it's going on our list. Short list. We'll Short talk list, about climate it. change. Maybe not next week, but we'll talk about it. So next thing we're going to talk about is healthcare reform, Medicare changes. Um, this one is not. I mean, I hate to say it, but this one's not crazy. <laughs> um, the the first thing it does the deal allows Medicare to negotiate drug prices, and here's the kicker for the first time. And and so a lot of you are questioning, well, how does how does Medicare work currently? Well, you know, they just take whatever is given them, which is not how, you know, normally people <laughs> who buy things do things, especially when people are buying a lot of something. Yes, you know what I mean? Because Medicare block. in many ways operates like a, a giant insurance or a business. You know what I mean? It operates as this actor in the market. You know what I mean? It's mm -hmm. And it has just taken drug prices as they are and said, we'll pay it. Whatever it is, we'll pay it because we have to. We got to keep these people alive, right? So for the first time ever, what they're able to do is say, hey, we have this incredible power. We're buying billions of dollars in drugs every year. I mean, billions and billions of dollars of drugs. We would like to pay this much and negotiate with these companies. Now, a lot of you are saying, oh, well, that's not a free market. You know, why would you be even generally in favor of that well we've talked about this before we like free markets if you can find a medical free market we'd love to see it you know yeah. outside of the oklahoma surgery center the <laughs> medical system as it is is not a free market if you want to understand how drug prices work it's nuts currently u.s drug companies actually negotiate on a regular basis for the prices of their drugs, whether that's with hospitals or with actual governments. Other countries negotiate fixed prices for drugs from these companies coming into their country, and they vary wildly, where you can have a country paying five times as much because they didn't have the clout to negotiate for a better price. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Like, this system is bonkers. And so There's, what this deal is doing is it's allowing Medicare to acknowledge that fact and start negotiating, which I am not opposed to. No, they might as well. I mean, in the same way that anyone representing a big group of people might as well should negotiate. Yeah, exactly. And try and – they might as well. I don't think well. there's anything unethical about that. No, no. It's – I like you said, it, if this – this isn't a big government entity acting in a free market. This is – Another entity acting in a very corrupt, confused, over-legislated, really twisted market. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's such a mess. There's no reason they should be paying whatever price is given to them on this. They, yeah, they so might that, as well. And so that is definitely not a bad thing, but it's also not fixing any of the underlying problems. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. It's a, it's a Band-Aid solution, and, and we don't hate Band-Aids. They're just not – saving anyone's lives yeah um she's not gonna stop the internal bleeding yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um a couple other things it does it caps seniors drug costs who are 
on Medicare to $2,000 per year, you know, somewhat reasonable. Um, and then this is my, this is my favorite part of this because this is, this is a relatively small part of the bill, this, these Medicare changes, even though any Medicare change is a huge deal. So it's however you look at that. But it forces drug companies. Now, by the way, I haven't been able to get the actual language from the bill. I haven't been able to find this in the bill. So I don't know exactly how this works. But I've got the summary, and that's all I got for now. I mean, it's, this is all happening overnight. I mean, the bill's not done, so it <laughs> it's not done, is, and it's almost a thousand pages. It's like seven hundred and fifty yeah, exactly. pages or like, something. I I I was at work yesterday. Okay, give me a break. It forces drug companies. I know everyone said all these mean things that I'm responding to. <laughs> yeah, it forces clearly. drug companies. Sorry, you've been under such attack. <laughs> To pay a rebate if they increase prices faster than the rate of inflation. Which is just a backwards form of price fixing. In other words, this is the rate of inflation. Drug companies, you can't change prices more than that amount or you'll have to pay a a fee. A rebate, as they call it, which is a funny word in this context. Yes, this is... is to counter the fact that, as they see it, prices are going up because of greedflation manifest in companies price gouging their customers by increasing the cost more than they have to. And that this is this, this act of greed that is really damaging the economy. Um, we addressed it in an episode about greedflation. It's a new theory created as a political necessity to try and salvage, try and save them from personal responsibility. And as we've already covered, the medical industry is nuts, but this is a step in the direction towards price fixing in, and, you know, because of greedflation. And so that just makes me uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. What this will actually look like in drug companies in the real world, I'm not sure I'm less concerned with that and more concerned with the implication of where this is heading because yes, yeah. because price fixing in the general economy could be devastating and that's something I definitely want to want to warn against. Yes, I and I I think you framed it very well there. The actual impact of this law may be fine. But the the motivation behind it and the theory and and be, yeah, the and it may be fine because it's our it's being thrown into a mess that is silly anyway. Um, but if you try and introduce that to the broader market, it would be it would be terrible, and I would be very. I would go from being like, un, as you've put it, uncomfortable eh. to freaking out. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Are you trying to centrally plan the economy again? Yeah, exactly. That that's the real fear. Anything else you want to say about that, Dan? Before no, we I move think, on to no, the I third think that's thing. really good. Okay. I'm glad you think it's really good because those people were saying mean things. About <laughs> I'm sorry about that, Brad. Well. It was well, it was terrible. You can cry on my shoulder and, later. Yeah. I'm gonna go cry myself to sleep tonight. On your wife's shoulder while she talks to everybody about uh about the stuff that people are gonna call her about. Yes, the you can't remember the the, the nuclear fear. <laughs> the nuclear system. that's right. Yeah. So Couldn't remember the specific renewable. system. <laughs> yeah. When when they call her about the stuff they're gonna call her about. I like that. This third okay. thing that we're gonna talk about 
Brad blew my mind with this. He, f he found this, and this is by far, to me, the most interesting thing in here. Yes. First of all, why is this not being talked about more? This, I don't this know. This tax increase. It's mentioned, like, as a small paragraph. Like, if these – like, you're going to link the MSN article, right? Yes, yes. So you'll have, also a, you'll have a great summary. also by the summary. Washington Post. Yeah. Is that the same article I'm looking at at Yahoo News? <laughs> I hope it is. <laughs> well, I shared oh, it with goodness. you. Oh, my goodness. It's the same article. Everyone's got it. Dan, me and you have been reading off of the same article from different sources back to Washington Post. That's that makes me happy. So what we're saying, this is classic academic. We just uh, we just cite two sources, but we actually only had one. They just go. They're just the I was going to say you should put place. you should put my article up there too, as well as yours. <laughs> so we've got lots of backing on this. But what this what this article is doing is it summarizes some of the specific changes. So it's not anything not anything dramatic. It's We're not, not citing the same study twice or something like that. Anyways, as as you've seen in my Yahoo News, what was I going to say? I oh yes, in this article, it's a blip. You know, it's it's a blip. You know, they've got a, a bunch of paragraphs, a bunch of different sections, and they've got like two small paragraphs and only one small paragraph talking about the 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 corporate tax. It's yeah, it's it's two small paragraphs, one section amongst their how many sections do they have? Fourteen sections. So one fourteenth of this article is talking about this corporate tax increase. You know, I had to go to another article to find more details about it because this one was like, ah, yeah, it's a corporate tax increase, a fifteen percent minimum. Woohoo! <laughs> At least that's how the Yahoo News one sounded. I don't know what the MSN one sounded like. <laughs> a different voice. Probably it had a deeper, more manly voice. I only read my read my news in uh, the bass clef. So, so, so the majority of the 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 tax revenue that's being raised, three hundred thirteen billion dollars in the next ten years, is coming from a new corporate tax. Now, this new corporate tax, as as I explained to Dan earlier, is nuts because what it is is you currently have a 21% tax rate for U.S. corporations. And how that tax rate works is the same except more complicated as it works for you or me, where you report your income, you, re you report deductions of varying degrees, you recalculate these numbers, and then as a result, you pay a tax rate that is different than it would be if you didn't do any of those deductions, right? Mm -hmm. Obviously, that's why you do the deductions. <laughs> they even right. have standard deductions because that's built into the system. And that's how corporations do it too. Well, what this does is says, okay, you do that and you keep it all exactly the same. After you've done all of that, you need to take a look at your, your income. And if you're not paying 15% taxes on that income, then you got to pay more anyways. I understand that all of these deductions are things that we agreed upon already, and we're still agreeing upon and still keeping. But if those deductions result in you, in you having too much savings, then we're just going to say screw it, and you have to pay it. That's the first wild thing: is that they're not getting rid of those deductions, or they're not getting rid of the worst of those deductions, or the bad deductions, or the deductions that shouldn't be there. They're keeping all of them, but they're saying these deductions can't save you very much money. Yes, if, if you were to think of it, we think of it in terms of loopholes. The idea being there's a hole and people are sneaking through it. Rather than fixing the holes, we've created a second fence on the other side. 
and and that fence says we will only let through a certain percentage of those loopholes <laughs> and then we'll stop it. We're not going to cut it off because they're not saying, hey, you have to pay 21% no matter what. They're saying, no, you can save money up to 6%, you know, going from 21% to 15%. But then after that, we're going we're gonna to cut it. Now, on top of that, this number is going to be calculated in a completely new way. Because right now, you calculate federal income tax based off of these IRS requirements, right? Like anything else. Mm-hmm. It's always based off of what the IRS tells you. This number will not be calculated that way at all. It is going to be completely independent, and it's going to be based off of your book income. And I say your, like you own one of these billion-dollar companies, Dan. But maybe I should say your, I own Jeff two. Bezos, or your, <laughs> right. Elon Musk, your book income, which is calculated based off of standard accounting practices and are completely separate from the IRS system. Now that right there is wild because it to me seems like an acknowledgement that the whole IRS system in terms of these corporations just isn't working. It's not capturing what's actually going on like their own books are. And so they're saying, scrap what the, well, keep everything the IRS is doing, but ignore it. You know what I mean? For the most part, keep what the IRS is doing, but we're also going to have a secondary system where we calculate the number based off of how you calculate it for your own personal finances. And then we're going to tax you 15% on that. Yes. Yes. If you're under 15% of that, your tax rate, your new tax rate is 15% of that. Uh-huh. Yeah, 15% of that, not the IRS number. Yeah, you can scrap the other things at that point. When you once you've compared the numbers and, <laughs> and you find less. you're under. So really weird. It's really so weird. it's so weird. The tax code as it is is a nightmare. You were saying basically they do the same thing we do. Plus 40,000 pages of loopholes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> plus a yeah, few more steps with 40,000 pages. are much much more complicated and numerous than ours. Yes, there's there's literally 40,000 pages, I think, is understating. And I can't remember how long the tax code is at this point, and almost all of it applies to corporations and businesses, not you and me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not, mm-hmm. not ordinary people filing their personal taxes. Um, it's, uh, it's so odd that they're doing it this way. I thought... Oh, and I forgot to mention one thing, Dan, before Please. we get too far into this. This only applies to corporations that earn more than $1 billion per year in profits. So these are not even – so if you took the Fortune 500 companies, not all of those companies would fit this definition. It's something around 455 companies is their best guess because it changes year to year because mm-hmm. it's, it's profits. It's you profit. could have – you could have a $10 billion company that doesn't hit this mark, you know? Mm-hmm. Twitter may not hit this mark, you know? They need profits to do that. <laughs> yeah. um, Twitter's a lot. I think they make like, what was it, $100 million? They're a long ways from this. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously, that's nuts. You know, you can have a company like Twitter valued at $40 billion that could ignore this. Mm-hmm. Because they're not making a billion dollar per year in profits. Now, of course, this gets more complicated because how are you calculating those profits? I don't know. I haven't read the exact wording of this, 
but it's nuts. Now, first of all, I don't want to come across as just negative on this. I think it's fascinating. I think that this is the most interesting thing to happen to taxes. Not the biggest tax increase, but the most interesting thing generally. And it kind of gets me excited because, <laughs> because what you have is, is the Democrats saying, not explicitly, but implicitly, hey, there are some serious problems with the way the IRS tax code system works to the point that if we want businesses to pay taxes, we kind of need to scrap that whole system. <laughs> we kind of need to throw the whole book out and say, hey, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to come up, and this is what this law does. They're saying we're going to calculate it based off of this separate, independent of the IRS number. We're going to throw out all of those deductions. And then what they did is they actually added in new deductions, you know, because you may be asking, OK, well, what about these green tax credits that are being proposed? What's the point of those if people can't benefit from them? No, there's an exception for those. So you can apply those to that 15 percent and lower it. Well, what about a few other things like if you have a net loss that year or this and that? Well, they've added some things in as well. So they're not saying we want no exceptions. They're saying the current exceptions are nuts. So what we've done is we've created a new tax code for 455 companies. And of course, you may be asking if this is such a great solution and, and, and reasonable, then why not apply it to all corporations? And, and of course, the implication is that it's punitive that it's not going to be easy to do. And that seems pretty reasonable because the reason the IRS tax code is the way it is, is they have calculations for this is how you get their number. If you're having it be based off of their book income, that's going to get complicated for their accountants real quick is my guess. Figuring this out, figuring out how to navigate this is going to be a mess for these companies. Like I'm sure whoever's in charge of paying taxes for these companies is is bending over backwards right now, figuring out what they're going to have to do. Yes. I wonder if in practice, they're, they're going to basically have to audit each of the companies that this applies to. That would not surprise me. And they could all. do that if it's 450 of them. If it, that's Whereas, and actually follow up and see their books and actually review things like that. Um, but you can't do that with everybody. It's just, Despite the practical. fact that this, this uh, among the other things in this bill that uh, we won't spend much time on it, they're injecting $80 billion into the IRS as Which part of this bill. a huge amount of money. It's so much money. I don't know what their total funding is, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's more than their, you know, their total oh, funding. It do it. Do it. So they're injecting $80 billion into the IRS, and they expect that by injecting that $80 billion, they will bring in 120 billion in added revenue. Is that because the IRS spends their spare time digging gold? Of course not. It's because the IRS is going to use that money to audit more and find more people who are not paying enough their taxes. And thus, the, the end result will be an increase in taxes brought in to the tune of 120 billion. You improve so the tax the collector. I, I am ready for the number. It's so the IRS's actual expenditures for the fiscal year 2021 for overall operations was $13.7 So eight, 
80 billion. Now, 80 billion's not going to be dumped in all at once. My guess is it's going to be something over several like 10 years. years. Yeah. yeah. But still, we're talking a more than 50% increase in their operating budget in, Even if in it's all practicality. Cross, yeah, 10 years or yeah. something. That's that's intense. That's, that's a lot huge. of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. If you're looking for a job, I suppose you could go work for the IRS. Because they're probably going to be hiring some more people. Hiring some bouncers to go claim their uh, their money. They go shake you down, right? That's how this works. They, they're they're, they're going to be shaking Jeff Bezos upside down to see what falls out. <laughs> to see what falls out. Tell him if he doesn't have the money by next week, they're going to knock him on the head and throw him in the river. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that's how the IRS works. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard. <laughs> they just need more I mean, of those That's guys. what auditing feels like. <laughs> So back to this this tax change, it is so trippy that they would even on a limited scale of of just these four hundred and fifty ish businesses, give or take, and changing a, from year to year, that they're going to do this. Now it, the political incentive makes sense. They've always been the popularity on the left is to uh, popular opinion points us to go and and uh, tax the rich, right? And certainly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The 450 most rich, most profitable businesses in a given year fit the description of the rich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because these are companies that brought in a profit of $1 billion or more. Yes, yes. You know what I mean? So these obviously are are rich by any definition. By any definition, I mean? yes. So this is an interesting way by targeting the richest corporations to try and tax the richest people to pay for this increase in taxes, right? It's, it's, it's very novel in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. It doesn't look, it doesn't read like an in, like a tax the rich scheme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it reads, reads like a like close a the fixing loopholes. Fixing the loopholes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yes. But in practice, it's a tax the rich scheme and it's very clever and it's very novel. And the, the modifications on the tax code are trippy. And I've never been a tax the rich person. Um, I'm more like corporations have some fundamental legal issues that give them privileges they shouldn't have, and thus they're a mixed bag, and we need to yeah, take a nuanced look. Yeah, which is a serious going problem with, with corporations, <laughs> yes. but is very different. Yes, but it's very different. So I'm not against. I, I feel like the uh, the the people who have a sense that you know often often people who have little sense you know no idea how economics or politics works you know it's not there it's not what they're looking into it's not because they're stupid it's just they have a life unlike me uh, where they where they look at other things what are you, what are you saying Dan? <laughs> i'm saying it's not them it's me that's <laughs> what i'm saying but but the point is that they have a sense that corporations are screwing them over and they're right they just the how is more complicated and more to do with the legal benefits and principles that have been established yes, under the table uh, for centuries often and 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 we've talked about this before is that this is a novel idea and it's interesting but when push comes to shove if the deductions are bad we should just get rid of the deductions yes you know what i mean this is this is another really weird and unusual and interesting band-aid solution but it still is in terms of even if you say, hey, these corporations should be paying more taxes, then maybe you, you – I'm fine with a new tax system. Let's get yes, rid of the re- old one. Re- 
reform the current tax system or replace it. Or replace it. Mm -hmm. Um, Keeping the current tax system and then adding a second tax system on top of it is nuts. Yeah, to to run with our medical analogy, it's time to change the bandages on the wound. And everyone can see that. And and we're just putting another Band-Aid on top of the old ones. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get infection. There's going to be problems. I like the new Band-Aid. It's got Batman on it. And I like Batman. Well, yeah. And and it's a better (laughs) Band-Aid. Yeah. It's a better design. But it doesn't do you enough good until you take off the old ineffective Band-Aid so the new Band-Aid can do its work. Yeah. And we don't get a lot of Band-Aid analogies. This is, we're just going to keep pushing this analogy for the rest of our episodes. Because if our analogy (laughs) is not good, we're going to apply a new, we're going to apply a new (laughs) Band-Aid to that analogy until it's good. Holes and fences, patches. Band-Aids. Uh-huh, exactly. Which is really just band-aids. These are all <laughs> These words are all, for band-aids. Just, we only have one ability to think in terms of band-aids. Everything else is just a band-aid parallel. <laughs> really, really the ta- band-aid solution for our band-aid analogy. <laughs> for our band-aid. Really, though, this I like you said, this is this is the most interesting thing, in my opinion, to happen here. And, and I can actually get behind it and see it as a good thing in the sense that. It acknowledges the tax code is really screwed up. Yeah, this is in many ways a step in the right direction. It is. It is. We can say, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. This is better than what we had before. And we needed to patch all kinds of holes. Because because fundamentally, in terms of tax systems, if corporations should be taxed, which is a separate discussion, then yes, companies that are making over a billion dollars shouldn't be getting away with paying zero taxes when corporations that are making a million dollars a year are paying 21% in practice. Yes, yes. If you accept the principle, which we would argue with, but if you accept it, then it should be applied consistently. It should be. Absolutely. And and, and especially if you accept the idea that as your income increases, you should be taxed more than – and and we don't accept that, but at least this isn't pushing for that. Yeah, you know we'll, I mean? we'll buy. It's not yes, pushing yes. for more taxes for the rich. It's pushing for actually tax the rich, which actually is tax which them. is. I mean, this is. <laughs> I mean, this is a band aid version of like something like a fair tax. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Uh huh. It it echoes it for sure. Uh, it echoes it. Some kind of fair tax. It, uh, it misses a bunch of the key components, so don't don't get carried away there. But it it definitely echoes some of those yes. ideas, some of those goals. Yes, I feel like we could talk to the people behind this, and we'd have a lot of things we agree on. I mean, we could reason with them and, and be like, "Yeah, there's this is better in a variety of ways," and that's that's a that's a good sign. The de- the desire to innovate past the however many tens of thousands of pages the tax code is and to bypass it completely isn't that far from being like it we just need to scrap it and uh mm-hmm. and let's get it off the books for now they can't do that for now you would offend everybody who's lobbied so hard for each of those loopholes um but this is an interesting way to be like no we're keeping the loopholes which is a you can see the political reason behind it. We're just reducing their effectiveness. We're just going to reduce their effectiveness in the extreme situations where you're paying less than fifteen percent of. And only if you're one of these four hundred and fifty. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's and only the even smaller number of those companies who aren't currently paying that tax rate because many of them are. You know, there's this understanding that if you make if you're uber rich, you're not paying any taxes, you know, and I know people like Elon have gotten upset about that. They're like, no, I'm paying a lot of taxes. Yeah. You know. 
Yeah. Anyway, it's trippy. It's trippy. And it, I'm, it makes me curious who the minds are behind this part of it, because this part of the bill seems very clever, very brilliant in ways that, in ways that the rest of it is kind of predictable. Um, the healthcare changes yeah. were somewhat surprising and nice. At least yeah, okay. So but. in terms of tax increases, this is a, a breath of fresh air. I, I don't want a tax increase. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, but this is, this is the best I could have, you know, this is, this is the most, I, I, I want to word this correctly, but I'm, but I don't know how it was, it was surprisingly pleasant and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not upset by it. <laughs> in, I mean, I'm in favor of it, but it's, it's not pissing me off. And to have a tax increase with a bill that spends is the only thing that makes sense. Is also so fiscally responsible. Where has that and been so the past refreshing. three years? Yes. Let's, let's tax. Pay for what we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, instead of spending interest and paying for it in other ways and inflation and things, let's. This is the for the same reason you should pay off your debt. This is a better way to do it. So, so yeah, so I mean, Build Back Better, we were staunchly opposed to this bill. I never would have voted for it. Um, I don't care for spending another four hundred and something billion dollars. Yeah, because because like we said, the 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 main goals like climate change, the the proposals are ineffective. They're malinvestment. It's not good, but it could have been so much worse. Yes, you know the healthcare reform. It's it's a band aid solution, but it's not awful. Um, there's not going to be a bunch of restrictions on businesses in terms of. Um, you know, CO2 emissions and fossil fuels. In fact, there's going to be some opportunity for more oil drilling. Um, in terms of taxes, it seems like an interesting, fresh idea that's not going to be as devastating as many other tax options could be. And so all in all, it's it's a whole lot better than it could have been. And it's a whole lot better than Build Back it's... Better was and it could have been a whole lot worse. It really could have. It, it seems fairly reasonable. And I guess we'll pause there. <laughs> with our yeah. with our pleasant surprise at how our, our, our yeah how not awful this is. It's not good, but not awful. But in terms of 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 the goals, and the, you know, when the goal of the bill is climate change and and raising taxes. <laughs> yes. You know what? This bill's not bad. <laughs> not bad. And with that, thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Rethinking Politics. You can find us on all of the major podcasting apps or on YouTube. You can reach out to us at rethinkingpoliticspodcast at gmail.com or you can visit our website at rethinkingpolitics.podbean.com where you can support us via Patreon. Thanks and have a wonderful day. 